Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in very rainy, but still quite gorgeous Seattle. In fact, we've had so many beautiful, gorgeous spring days in the last few You know, weeks. we need to take a break from it. Seriously. Really, we can't just blow it all out in the first, <laughs> you know, two weeks of spring. That'd just be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, here's the lovely thing. when you're If you're driving out today, and please be careful, it yes. is that really weird, misty mm-hmm. rain. And even though we're used to rain every single day, eh. You know, we're really not. Kind well, it's of the it's, it's it's the oil on the roads yeah, that kind of comes back up, yeah. and so everyone just be patient. Right. Give and yourself. you know, we we live in a state where yeah. actually not a lot of people who live here are native to the Northwest. True. And so you know, it's it's, it's it is important to be cautious out there. But as you're driving, hopefully slowly and enjoying yourself this morning as you're heading off to your destination, look at all the trees and the flowers and the plants because they are drinking up this mist and, and they've had beautiful days of sunshine. So they are stunning, and I hope that wherever you are in the world, whether it's nighttime or daylight, winter or spring, that you are looking out your window or taking a moment to focus and become present with your surroundings so that you can enjoy this, so we can all enjoy this hour together and grow and expand and become more conscious. So um, today is one of my favorite days. I get to interview people on the show, and I love to interview people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm interviewing Dr. Susan P. Plummer, Ph.D. She is the author of Deep Change, Befriending the Unknown. Woo! Whoa. <laughs> that hits you right there in the Doesn't gut. Doesn't it, right? Right in really. the gut. Well, just wait until you know, our listeners start to read this book because okay. right. I think it's going to be a very profound tool to help them to embrace change, which I always tell my clients is not an option if you want to evolve. And, and it's going to happen anyway, whether it hits right. you on top of the head or you find mm-hmm. a way to relax as much as you can, take deep breaths, and allow the curiousness of our awareness mm-hmm. to take us by surprise and provide us with um, an absolute newness to um, our identification with who we are. Right. And we've actually discussed it on actually the last show. We had quite we a did, few callers really? that were oh. still trying to remember, make into that step into the right motion of change, which oh. is still difficult for those who aren't used to it. Well, you so know, this Benny, might help them even further. I'm so glad you remember because you know, uh, I don't remember things that happen. And so, that's what producers do. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so Dr. Plummer has been a psychotherapist in private practice in Northern Carol- um, California for the past 25 years. She lives in Santa Barbara, where she directs the Alliance for Living and Dying Well. And as many people know, Death and Dying is one of my favorite things, um, a hospice agency. A popular speaker and workshop presenter, she can be contacted through her website, www.susanpplummer.com, or through Blessings Away Authors Services, and and then we'll give out your phone number later, too. So, Dr. Plummer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, sure. It's lovely to have you. I love your book, and and I haven't even finished reading it yet. Um, So, I mean, it's one of those books where I'm going to be reading it this weekend, um, finishing it up, but it's, it's really beautiful. When did you, in your own evolutionary path, come up, because you have these beautiful stages that help people to move through change, and and we'll talk to them as much as we can during the show, but you must have had a personal experience that got you on that uh, awareness, and I'm sure with your patients as well, 
of um, finding a way to move through change where, where we can somewhat embrace it and understand it? Well, yes, the first um, experience where I look backwards and see that that was really where the seed was planted for this, this material it was in my 20s, and I talk about it in the introduction of my book, um, where I had completed um, graduate school and moved to a beautiful rural community where I was working with nonprofit organizations and had my own home, and things were going along very well. And suddenly I just uh, felt this pervasive sense of kind of meaninglessness overtaking me, which was very surprising because I'd been a pretty productive and cheerful person, and there didn't seem to be any, any particular trigger or crisis for this. And I could not um, move out of it. I just felt that I was surrounded by kind of a void and um, an emptiness and disorientation. But I was very fortunate to have a very wise elder in my life. And she um, one day just suggested that I actually look into this experience and explore it. What is this meaninglessness like? And that was a very radical suggestion for me because at the time I was doing everything I could to fix it or analyze it or get out of it. But I did what she suggested. Um, I came home the next day and um, felt this, again, this sense of meaninglessness looming over me or emptiness and said, okay, here I am. What is this like? What am I present to? And I looked at least for a minute right straight into the sense of meaninglessness and just um, allowed it to be there. And what I noticed is that I could not imagine the next moment, and it wasn't as though I wished to die. I simply, there was not a next moment I could project myself into. It felt like there was nothing there. So I noticed that, and then I found myself getting up to take a walk, and it wasn't as though I decided to. I just moved to take a walk, and it was the dusk in this little town, and I really didn't really know that there was even a ground for me to take my next step, or if I could really even take a next breath, because we kind of need to feel that there's a next moment to breathe into. But of course I did. But in that step out on my porch, that evening, I found myself in a very different world. It was the same world, but it was very, very vivid, and it was a, a world of intense intimacy and belonging and connectivity. Everything was very, very rich, like a man watering his lawn outside. It was as though the water was coming through me, and I could hear voices far away, and I belonged. I did not have to find meaning. Meaning was everywhere. And this was a big mystery to me because when I was in my mid to late 20s, um, just a moment before, I felt so so bereft in this sense of emptiness, and here I was held in this very vivid, rich world. And um, looking back, that really was when I think this interest and curiosity about what happened there was first planted, first seed. And then a few years later, I went back to um, graduate school to get my school to get my doctorate, and really tried to look at the psychological literature. Where are people talking about this experience? And they don't and really, do they? No, no. Yeah. They certainly <laughs> hadn't then. There's, there's more now. Right. You know, the spiritual literature, some, like the dark night of the soul, sure. there, there are some implications to that, some of the philosophical literature. But I thought, well, I'm going to research this. I'm going to investigate it. And was very fortunate to have a um, wonderful man, um, faculty member, who could chair my committee, who had developed a remarkable methodology for exploring human experience and um, emerged out of people's descriptions of their experience that had come through this kind of nothingness into something new. Um, and then after that, I, um, 
I don't know if you know John O'Donohue. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I was I was lovely to to see his um, recommendation of your book on the back of your cover. Yeah, he's a fabulous author. He's lovely. Well, we had him up I know up um, north for a speaker series, and he um, stayed in my guest cottage. And I had just finished the first draft of my dissertation, and she, he wanted to read it. And um, he was, was just very very encouraging, and said, "Now you have to write a, a book for the lay public. <laughs> yeah. It's accessible." And, and um. And he I, wanted to, oh. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, you please go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I was going to say he wanted to write the foreword to it, but unfortunately oh. he died before that could oh. happen. Oh, I didn't realize so, he passed away. Oh. Yeah, so that is kind of the story of the journey of how this how this material emerged. And, and then working with my clients for all those years while, while these shifts were emerging was really helpful in my work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how, how helpful it was uh, to have this... Um, this larger context of how all these experiences relate to something that's really trying to come into visibility, really trying to emerge into the into the new, as you say. Well, and we're having a lot of shifts at younger ages for people. We a lot of company, companies have noticed that keeping the thirty-something person happy in corporate America is challenging. And, ah. in, and so, you know, that's why we have Amazon lets you bring your dogs to work and all these interesting things that companies are doing to cry, try to keep these people that are well-educated and that they've put thousands of dollars into training into maintaining a long-time career path with corporations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because I think our, even our younger people are, are asking those deeper questions and allowing themselves to feel that unsettledness. They don't necessarily understand it. That's why I think your book is so incredibly helpful in terms of how can they move productively through it. Because um, maybe they don't need to quit their job, or maybe they need to find a different area of that um, company to work in, or perhaps um, if they listen to the inner guidance, they'll be able to, you know, become an entrepreneur and discover something great within themselves. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So you really talk about in the very beginning. So you you divide these experiences that lots of people have. Um, very few people get through them successfully, I believe. Um, this is why we have, as you've pointed out um, well in your book, too, an epidemic of antidepressants in the United States. Um, unfortunately, now we have children even on antidepressants. Um, uh-huh. And when I was uh, an oncology nurse, um, when I looked back at the experience and that my colleagues were having, it, it was kind of almost like, well, you just change floors. You know, you work in a different department or maybe you get a new stethoscope or you get some new scrubs. <laughs> you know, you change shifts. And so it's kind of fun when you work in an industry where you have a lot of options because you just keep thinking, well, I'm just not settled here. That's all it is. I, uh-huh. I just need a, a new venue. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's really not what's going on. So this unsettling that you experienced in your 20s and obviously you've been guided along the way so that you can help the rest of humanity move through this with some understanding of it and some guidelines, which can be very effective. But people know, like to get curious, which is one of the things you talk about mm-hmm. um, in the unsettling is to get curious about it. You write about a one, one man who is an engineer, I think he was in his 40s, client mm-hmm. of yours, who had just signed like a big deal, something he'd been wanting to do for a really, really long time. And it really didn't do it for him. Right. And he, he, I guess he got into his car and he drove for like 50 miles, you know, far, far away. Luckily, he found you because he had never had therapy before. And he found you and you were able to help him to maneuver through this unsettling to recognize that it's really a sign. It's a positive uh-huh. indication that something new is around the horizon. That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um. Maybe you could just describe for a few moments some of the experiences that people have when they're in this unsettling, because it's really disturbing for most individuals. 
So the unsettling is the first uh, shift, and I really want to make it clear that these are, are shifts. They're experiential shifts, and they don't necessarily go right in a row. You know, but but and the material is important because it also shows the relationship of these shifts. So the unsettling, what he's talking about, is the, the first shift, and it's really when um, it could it could come around the time of a crisis or a loss or some kind of... But the crisis doesn't really create the unsettling. It kind of makes us available to the unsettling. Mm. And people can feel a sense of um, just emptiness and is this all there is and what's the point? And those can be scary feelings to let in. Um, but they're hovering around the corner. And, uh, you know, we have a pull for both wanting to change and also wanting to stay on safe, familiar ground. And that's kind of the paradox of being mm-hmm. human. And in the unsettling, the good news of what it means is that the pull to change has become stronger than the desire to stay safe and familiar. We might not be conscious of that, but we're already being pulled towards something new. But what it does is it sets up or it disturbs, you know, kind of the equanimity or the homeostasis, and our world can feel unsettled, and we can feel that something's missing or something's really flawed. It can it can be hard to get a handle on it, kind of a sense of lack somewhere in our world or in ourselves. Um, so those are some of the first experiences that kind of emerge on that threshold. Um, there, there can be, um, throughout the, the shifts until a certain point, a real sense of, of grief and loss, mm-hmm. because as we move through the shifts, um, there is something that we're letting go of. There is something that we could say is dying that may be part of our identity, mm. and that can be very confusing, too. And in that first shift in the unsettling, we, we can spend quite a bit of time trying to figure out, as, as I did, you know, trying to see um, what's what's going on here. You know, this feels really wrong. Um and actually what we're eventually asked to do is to walk right straight into the heart of that experience, which we might have been trying to avoid our whole life. Oh, um, I agree. Yeah. In, in some of the clients that I've um, worked with, they've been on antidepressants for decades, the same one, uh, which they're uh-huh. still depressed because they don't typically work very well anyway is what we're finding out in, in understanding the layering of antidepressants you know, of, yeah. that many people are on. And so you... After reading your your book or what I've read so far, understanding that that probably people have been locked in, like maybe people in their fifties or sixties have been locked in this potentiality for change for maybe thirty or forty years, and they haven't allowed themselves to be in that space of disappointment or um, grief. Which uh-huh. do you think the American culture overall is just really uncomfortable with grief? I think so. I mean, we're you know, there's such a, I think it's changing, but there's such a um, pull to be happy and be cheerful. Mm-hmm. And you know, often the first signs of, of a sadness, now people, as you say, are being diagnosed with depression. And it's really um, kind of heartbreaking because they're, they're kind of being deprived of their, oh, their, uh, their right, of their true potential, you know, mm-hmm. for becoming. And so I think it's a, it's a really big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I- and I, oh, thank you. I was thinking that. So let's say someone in their 20s didn't have the luxury that you had of a wise uh-huh. person to just offer a question of, why don't you get curious about this? You know, like uh-huh. maybe this isn't a bad thing. Someone who's lived through enough change in their life, they, they were able to understand what you were going through. It was such a blessing. Yeah. And so they get on Prozac and, or Wellbutrin or whatever the, or maybe a combination of those things. And um, and now 30 years have gone by, they even forget that they're taking antidepressants because it's almost like supplements for them. Uh-huh. And now they're in your office and 
And perhaps as they, whatever, you know, um, the two of you do together to help them get comfortable with grief, perhaps there's going to be a lot of change in their life, a lot of awareness and consciousness that's going to kind of erupt. Do you think that's more possible or do you think it's more like they're, they're going to, in a way, be back into their 20s or their 30s working on whatever needed to come forward at that time? Well, it's a good question. I think it's very individual, um, Mm -hmm. and it's always kind of a mystery in terms of what a particular person's life journey is and what Mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, needs to be. But I'm thinking of a man who um, kind of fits what you're describing, who actually he was in a a workshop that I was doing. um, Now, it's interesting that he even attended the workshop um, on deep change, and uh, he'd been on antidepressants his whole life, and he said no one has ever encouraged him to explore his depression. Wow. It's always been this enemy. So this was a real opening for him. Now, we could say that the fact he even went to a workshop on deep change, um, in some part of him was already being curious and mm-hmm. looking out from underneath that you know, familiar way. And so I suggested that he go back to where his home was. He couldn't see me. He lived far away. But to seek, seek a therapist who really um, he felt would encourage this exploration you know, slowly. And, um, and so he did. He did that. And then he came to another workshop a year later. And I can't tell you the difference of this person. Wow. In terms of just so alive and, and excited and full, you know, the full range of human experience and a lot of new um, potentials emerging and just really looked different. Um, so I think that that can happen. And then there can be people where there's um, more of a gradual, subtle um, emergence. You know, and I think that um, well, one one thing I think is really important is that a lot of a lot of psychology in the West has really been oriented towards the past mm. and what happened in the past. And I would think, okay, if someone comes in now and they're just getting depressed now, why is that? Ah, oh, that's you know? a really great question. Why that... don't we ask that? You know, wow. um, so I feel like wow. if we had a psychology of the future. Wow. Where a new future is maybe emerging, and maybe it's, it's um, let's say, it's lighting up some past things, but mm-hmm. those don't necessarily need to be analyzed, they need to be lived through, because where we're open to change is also where our hurts are, because mm. that's where we're most tender. Mm-hmm. And so we start to open to that, and then we have maybe a flood of memories or, or just unnamed anxiety, and we think, oh, I shouldn't go there, but we need help in being able to build the capacity to dwell there because that's right where the opening is to new depth. Wow. Okay. I think you're the first therapist that I've ever heard say that, and I think it's remarkable. It makes a lot of sense to me. It it Uh, truly does, especially if someone's had, you know, some sort of awareness or inner work in their life as well. You know, why go back and rehash something that happened 20, 30, or even 10 years ago when it could uh be just about the moment? And and like Uh you said, it highlighted some history. Uh-huh. Um, wow, that's really beautiful. I'm having the uh-huh. pleasure of interviewing the author of Deep Change, Befriending the Unknown, Dr. Susan Plummer. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. I'm much too fast to take that test. Marie is thrilled to announce she will be back teaching at both Hollyhock locations in 2014. She will be at the beautiful Cortez Island in British Columbia, 
June 29th through July 4th. Come join her for this five-day workshop at a breathtaking venue to learn about energy, perception, and healing while basking in the beauty of Cortez. October 24th through the 26th, Marie will be at the Hollyhocks Vancouver, BC location for a two and a half day workshop on discovering and dissolving blockages to health. Learn to discover how you can unravel old patterns and return to your authentic nature. Register online at hollyhock.ca. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Echo Bodine with stories of redemption perfect for Good Friday. And on Saturday, Dr. Judith Orloff talks about ways in which surrender actually empowers your life. Then Rosemary Ellen Guiley brings her extraordinary background in psychical research to the subject of dreams and their link to the spirit world. Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the why for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the why, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the Y as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the Y. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2013. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle, and I'm having the pleasure of interviewing the author of Deep Change, Susan Plummer, Ph.D., Befriending the Unknown. And so when we were chatting a little bit off air, um, you explained that you call antidepressants or refer to them as future busters. And although there are you know, a percentage of people who really do need chemicals to help themselves feel balanced. Absolutely. And um, and we support that and are grateful for, you know, modern medicine always has a place in uh, Mm -hmm. the human realm because our consciousness isn't at a place where we can live without modern medicine. We need both. We need everything, a little bit of everything. Um, but future busters. So, so people are really in a way beginning to open up to their future and they're scared and, um, and, and so something happens to them like, um, the, well, you had another story, actually, of another patient of yours that was having a moment like that. Yes, there's a woman, um, she's in her 50s, and she had been off, on and off um, antidepressants throughout her life. And she was reading my book, 
and um, she lives in my town, and so she wanted to have tea with me. And in that conversation, she said that she got to the shift called the stilling, which I don't think you've quite gotten to yet, that's shift four, mm. um, which is kind of the apex of that sense of um, nothingness or, or um, emptiness. Oh, right. And yet we haven't quite moved into the new yet, but we're just so close. She was feeling that, and historically she would have gone back on antidepressants um, because she felt that the metaphor she used, which is so beautiful, is that her inner rosebush had been pruned so severely with so <laughs> many different kinds of losses that she felt like it would not, there would be no new growth. You know, it just, wow. that was it. But in reading the book, she felt, she found the, um, the courage and some support to hang in there with that experience and not go on the antidepressants. And about a month later, she was driving somewhere with her husband, and she realized, <laughs> it really kind of moves me, um, there were some new little rosebuds <laughs> coming <laughs> on her bush, and she could feel that, and she could feel them starting. And she said that before the antidepressants, you know, kind of blocked that uh, distress, but it also blocked other kinds of feelings and, and deadened her in a way. So that was a really uh, moving story. You know what I find interesting is, why are we so uncomfortable with being still and not knowing? And, and we're, it's like we're so afraid of the void. We, we have to fill up our lives with so much between media and food and friends and wine and shopping and, and, and then everything else in our mandatory busy life, you know, our daily work. Mm-hmm. I find it so fascinating that we're so afraid of, of the nothingness. Isn't that a good question? <laughs> why, why is that, you know? Um, I mean, part of the, the paradigm of our Western culture, which has, has served us well up to a point, is that we are masters of our own fate, and we're in charge. And, um, and there's still certainly a lot of that in our culture. But when the change starts to take hold, there is involved a surrender right. to the unknown. And I think that's really hard for us. And mm-hmm. it's not a surrender that's a collapse into some kind of a infantile, you know, ness. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage and a lot of presence. Um, but we... We don't have we don't have much you know faith or practice in that kind of surrender. I think. Wow. Yeah. I I, I think that this stillness that you talked about. Um, I think it's a very empowering moment. And you're right. You're already through the the most difficult part. You know, you've somehow let go of something, or again, probably got depressed and thought that everything's going to fall apart. But you've somehow surrendered. You know, you've stopped uh-huh. trying to control it or fix it, or you're you're not going to go buy new scrubs if you're a nurse in a hospital, or change your office at work if you're in uh-huh. in some corporate America, or go buy a sports car. You already bought it and you're not happy. You know? Right? It didn't work. It didn't I call work. Those change, yeah, I call those kind of changes. By the way, that you're describing as horizontal changes as oh. opposed to vertical or deep change. So. Oh. Shifting over on the same on the same plane, you know, of depth. So. Right, right, because because they're pretty. They look good. They you know they give you a momentary you know relief from the uh-huh. discomfort, especially True. when you're on the car lot and you've got forty cars to choose from, and you know your money's burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> you know, and you can <laughs> you can only focus on the hum of the engine. You know, and <laughs> and and then that only lasts for a little bit, and then you're right. on a beautiful country road in your gorgeous car and. You have to surrender. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so would you say that's, you know, where a lot of the power comes from? Because you're right. We are just incredibly powerful beings. We're amazing. We're magnificent beyond measure. We're, we're quite profound creatures. And, and do you think that that's that moment where we kind of connect to that power or we recognize it in some way? Well, what happens um, in the shift four is, is in that stilling, we haven't quite... Um, 
um, there's still like a strand kind of holding us. It's more of a place of being suspended between two worlds or two ways of being. And then the fifth shift is the releasing, where we, there's a full surrender and a willingness almost to allow that nothingness, as you were saying. And in the releasing, we, we come into a more essential self. I call it uh, sometimes kind of a raw freedom, um, where we're just radically open to the world, and we don't have that familiar lens that we usually have um, to see things through. And it's quite a magical, that's where I feel like that transformation comes in, where we come into a way of being that's more essential and open. And what's so mysterious is the world that we enter in that moment is different from the one that, that we're used to. Some people describe it as a world of radical relatedness. It's like there's, there's a... Um, uh, almost uh, there isn't the same relationship to space and time. There's kind of an at onceness. People feel kind of a shimmering, a vibration. And I, it's the amazing thing to me is that in that state that we come through in that releasing, we have the capacity to what I call spread. Mm. That our awareness can spread into that world, and we feel this tremendous connectivity because we can be kind of multiple places at once. And now this can be a rather mystical experience, or it can be less dramatic, but yet, like my experience of walking out on the porch that day, I felt so, you know, connected. Um, so I think that when you call, talk about the power, is that our, it's such good news, is that our, our essential self, kind of stripped of what we think our identity is, has this capacity to spread into this new dimension, it's a new depth in the world, um, and co-create new worlds and co-create new realities. And so there is that, that power, but it's not us on our own. We come into a relationship with this new dimension that's really been longing for us to come into this way so that we can create with it. Um, and I think there are multiple dimensions. You know, you might go through deep change one time and then you drop down and go through another, another stage. I think it's really how we expand and grow and transform. Oh, you just Does said that. that your question? Oh, yeah, you said it so beautifully. Oh. <laughs> you did, because uh, you're, you're right. It's like you 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 have this very new perspective and and you become one, you know, with mm-hmm. like that experience on the porch. Everything becomes more alive because you're more alive. Mm-hmm. You know, your your vibration is increasing. Your frequency is moving, as you said, from one dimension to another, which then mm-hmm. creates a whole new matrix of new possibilities, new potential. It does. It exactly does. You're right. Yes. And, and it's really amazing. That's why it's you know, this kind of reminds me of um, my youngest daughter who, uh, when she first started at the university, she um, wanted to be a medical doctor. Um, actually, she wanted to be a thoracic surgeon. So she's in pre-med stuff and... Um, and I wasn't, like, super thrilled about the idea. <laughs> My family's very holistic, and although mm-hmm. I, I worked in modern medicine, I have great respect for it. I also uh-huh. saw doctors work really hard, not have a lot of private time, eat, mm-hmm. eating their lunch out of styrofoam cups at the nurse's station, writing orders, you know. It, it's yeah. not as glamorous as it could potentially be. And um, mm-hmm. and she knew this, and we had talked about it openly, and, and she would re- remind me often, she goes, well, you were an oncology nurse, and your life turned out great, you know, and... Um, so at any rate, she calls me, <laughs> it's during finals week at the U, she calls me in tears, sobbing. She's about to take some, you know, biology finals. She's very smart. And, and she goes, I don't want to go in there. It makes me so sad. And I just want to drop the class and take political science. And, and, oh, wow, and, and wow. I'm like, and she thinks I'm going to say no. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a hippie mom. I'm like, great. <laughs> 
and and there's like this complete pause on the other end of the of the phone, you know. And I'm like, uh, "Good for you! Don't go in there." She goes, "That means like I'm gonna have like a W on my transcript." I go, "Excellent." <laughs> She's never had one of those, you know. Never got anything below a B plus. I'm uh-huh. like, great. And of course, now she's in her first year of law school and um, oh. and does human rights work and loves it. So I think we have uh-huh. these moments, but we're taught that we have to be responsible and not disappoint mm-hmm. other people. And, you know, there's all this outward stuff that keeps us so disconnected from our inward potential magic that you have been describing. There really is. And you were talking earlier about um, those in their 30s in the corporate world and um I think that um, there is such, you know, pressure to um, keep keep going and to succeed, and to have some understanding of how to listen to those other other whispers, maybe at first, um, or those confusions or those sense of being unsettled. I just think is so important, and not only for the individual but for our whole culture. Um, so I uh, love the story of your of your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was Brilliant. so cute, you know. And she, yeah. and um and, and she was like, "Really, I can drop out?" I go, "Yes, of course." She goes, "Wow, okay." You know, she just didn't even think for a moment that was an option. In and I'm like the hippie mom, so imagine all the other people, yeah. you know, who don't have parents who are well. We don't know exactly because we don't always give people the opportunity to mm-hmm. to show us what they might. Um, you know, suggest for us if we were so blunt and honest with what's going on with us. Mm-hmm. In your book, you talk about in um, in one of the chapters about you know the the fatigue and the loss of will, the sense of no future. That these feelings mm-hmm. that we have that are, and I know you've briefly talked about this in, in the stilling part of the chapter as well, but that those are so scary for us, and and we think there's something wrong with us. You know, we may have already been to the doctor and had every test done, mm-hmm. and we're perfectly fine. Um, and so, and so, how can we again move through that place of of failure? You know, we're feeling we're tired, we're exhausted, we we don't feel good. Our body's probably having physiological changes within it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, how again can we move through that piece? Well, I think that that can come up at any of the shifts, at least one through four. Um, mm. And uh, I think that what's so important and can be so helpful is to be developing the capacity to just be present to what we're actually feeling. And what happens is we have so many stories entangled with our actual felt experience. So, for example, someone might come into, um, I can tell you the story of a woman who came in, uh, she's in her 50s, I think, and she was feeling this sense of uh, pointlessness and and tiredness and um, a fear, fear of failure. She I think it was a, she's a psychotherapist herself, but feeling that um, it just wasn't doing it for her anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked her, you know, over time to just explore the um, the experience of this uh, sense of, is this it? Is this all there is? And it was so scary because it was wrapped around these fears of failure. I won't be able to do it anymore. I won't be successful. I'll, I'll disappoint my family. Um, but eventually, when she just, described that experience, I said, where is it in your body? She goes, well, it's in my chest, which often is the case, not always. Mm. So I asked her eventually if she could just, for a minute, drop the story of failure and, you know, concern, and just describe for me what that's like in her chest. And she said, well, it's an emptiness. Wow. Can you, can you be in that emptiness, you know? 
And it takes time and new muscles of awareness, you know. And I said, could you just describe what that's like in there, that emptiness? Well, I mean, eventually it turns into this big space, and it's an opening, an opening down into new depths in herself. But so to answer your question, I think a really important thing is to be able to tease out the story from the experience, the felt experience, because these experiences of lack are felt. They're palpable once we can get out of just telling ourselves stories about them. I know that there was a man who felt this real sense of, um, of loneliness, and his story was he was unlovable because of this sense of loneliness. But once he could actually just experience the loneliness, it also brought him into a new dimension in himself that it actually was an opening. Wow. Um, so that's, that kind of practice is, is important, and it, and it takes um, time, and there are um, practices in my book at the right. end of each chapter. I call them footholds where people can start to um, explore that. Now, one thing I should mention that's really important and helpful is that in that unsettling and the unraveling and those challenging times, um, in that tiredness, um, they're also not only the felt lack, but somewhere hovering around, there is what I call a free-floating longing. Mm. We're already being called by something larger and other than ourselves, another dimension, that's longing for us to come into it as we're longing for it. So we're also in dialogue with another possibility, another future that belongs to us, but we can't imagine it yet. Mm-hmm. And we might not even be able to detect the longing. But I do have some exercises in the book designed to help you tune into that longing. And again, that longing is palpable. We can feel it in our body, kind of in our body subject. And once we can feel the longing... Um, we are starting to align with this call, with this pull down into a new dimension in ourselves. Mm. And it can be kind of a relief for people that are, there isn't just a lack, but there's actually some forces, some pulls <laughs> that right. we need to align with. And, and that can be um, reassuring in some way. Right. And, and so it's more about getting out of the thoughts of the feelings that we have in our minds yes. and getting into the physical sensation or the etheric you know, pulling uh-huh. that you're describing about, you know, learning how to first be present with that, to describe it, to yes, connect exactly. with it, because that seems yes. to help people get out of the stories, you know, uh-huh. the old stories of the past, and to move into the newness of the future, That this part of their soul that's looking for um, an, an awakening, if you will. I think that's really true, and I think that um, the, the stories, I think, are where we suffer the most. The meanings we attribute to the experience is where I think there's the greatest suffering. Oh, starting, yeah. I loved your comment earlier about, you know, maybe the depression that we're having or the problems that we're having are more related to the moment and not the history. And that maybe therapy um, needs to ask that question first and foremost to find out where the patient is rather than dissecting our history so, so deeply. Mm-hmm. I, I just yeah, think that's, yeah, Beautifully, beautifully well said. I think that would be a, a fantastic um, revolution to the psychoanalytic world. I think it would be quite phenomenal and, and highly necessary. So you do sessions on Skype, too. So you teach and mm-hmm. lecture on, on the subject, or many yeah. subjects, I'm assuming. And, and then you also do private sessions on, for people who don't live in California on the phone or on Skype. Yes, I do, and I really enjoy that, yes. And there is a place on my website, I think, where you can um, 
connect with me that way. Yeah. Right. So um, Dr. Plummer's um, website address is susanpplummer.com, um, or you can go to, um, you can actually be called. Um, the phone number is 505-983-2649. This is really a phenomenal book. I love it. I, thank you. Uh-huh. You did a wonderful job on this book. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. I think it can help a lot of people. Um, and and as you said, change continues. You know, it doesn't just happen once in one's lifetime. And and so for those people who've already gone through those and, and may feel like a novice in it, um, I think this book can help them to even identify more opportunities for growth and consciousness. And, and also what you pointed out is it could be very helpful for our friends that are going through this or family members. And we may not yeah. understand but maybe we can more so with, with this information and help guide them through some challenging times. Yeah, I think so, too. It also can be helpful for people who are counseling people through grief and bereavement. There's a parallel there. Um, so that's another, another application of this. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure interviewing you on the show. I love your book. I hope that people get out um, to their bookstore or Amazon and and find your book, Deep Change. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Plummer. It was lovely to have you. Thank you. I very much enjoyed it. All right. Thank you. Have a beautiful day in California. And we're going to take another break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Hi, my name's Travis, and I'm your host of the Create the Life You Want show, airing Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we will explore our collective experiences and dive deep into all aspects of our being. Every show will provide topics, insight, guidance, and techniques designed to empower your life. I'll be taking calls, answering questions, and using my psychic insight to provide you with opportunities to access your own unique abilities to create abundance in your life right now. It's all about you on the Create the Life You Want show. Join me Saturdays at 1 on Alternative Talk 1150. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order the Affirm Your Worth cards online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Do you live on the East Coast? Have you been wondering when Marie will be headed your way? Well, you're in luck. Marie will be teaching a two and a half day workshop this spring at Omega in beautiful Rhinebeck, New York. Join Marie May 30th through June 1st and learn how to heal your body intuitively. We all have the capacity to receive, interpret, and successfully use our senses to heal our bodies. In this workshop, you'll learn the skills needed to harness these abilities 
and to achieve better health. Register online at eomega.org or visit Marie's website at energyintuitive.com for more details. Want to hear something different from talk radio? The choice is clear. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Mary Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle, and that was just such a lovely interview. I really enjoyed the book. I hope that you um, in- enjoy it, too. I think you will, um, for yourself or for others. And we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. I'm going to take a few calls before um, we end our show. So who do we have? Sure, we'll take Anne, who's been waiting so Thank patiently. You, Anne. Yeah, she is calling in from Seattle. She had it looks like a career question. So, Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such an insightful interview. It's just perfect. I so enjoyed listening to it. Oh, um, wonderful. Yeah. just it's, I can't believe I called today because <laughs> um, I'm just going through this transformation, and I feel like trying to figure out exactly where I am and what she was discussing. Um, and I don't can give me some insight on that, but I feel like I have entered this new dimension. I've made such a transformation. And I feel like I'm just right there, and I have really put a lot of thought into and and really had a true discovery on what I do I do want to do. Oh, congratulations. That's Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I think so, too. It just feels so right. Um, in the meantime, you know, to get to A to B, I still have a family to feed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, you so, know. Uh, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, of course, I would love uh, to hear what Dr. Plummer would say about that. But, but I think at this point, what, what you have to do is then work on your molecules. Because... It's the fear. You know, there's fear that humans get trapped in. The number one thing that that you're describing, we're so worried that we're not going to be able to pay our bills, feed our children, all of those things. And when we stay in that fearful place, we, we can't hear what the universe has to offer for us. We, it's, it's like you have to trust and let go and feel that frequency, this beautiful frequency that you have felt and you've invited yourself into and you've connected to. Feel that frequency of gratitude of what it is that you're creating as if it's already here, even though you don't know exactly what it is or what it looks like. And I think that's that uh, that other piece of the unknown where we won't let ourselves go there. We need it in black and white. We need a contract. We need it delivered FedEx. It's like we want it in some physical, tangible evidence that we're on the right track. We're doing the right things. We're not going to be bankrupt, and we're going to have plenty of food. And in truth, it those negative things rarely, 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 rarely happen, and I believe when they do, it's actually in the person's best interest. I know that sounds very weird, but that's what I believe. And and so the reality is that that's not going to happen. So can you stay out of all of that scary, fearful energy? Because when you're in it, you're actually prolonging the shift. You're, you're, you're mixing up your molecules. You have molecules of ah, and then molecules of mm. And when you go back and forth or stay in the, the more challenging ones, you're creating more problems, more delays, more difficulties, where is if you can hold your molecules in that other place through through trust and belief in your magnificence and that you are a part of a divine universe that adores and cherishes you and you may not know what's going on and you can't control it, which is also very important to get out of any idea of an illusion of control, um, then you, ad- you attract and connect to even if you do it for just five minutes a day, whether that's all at once or throughout the day, you allow those molecules to line up with you, and then magic begins to happen. Things start happening to people. I have countless clients who have been in, would be considered dire straits, you know, moments in lives where it seemed 
you know, hopeless. And they, for whatever wonderful grace of creation, they were able to change their molecules long enough that magic happened, like incredible magic. One of my clients, um, her, she was going through, she was actually divorced and her um, spouse was supposed to pay, her ex-spouse was to pay her a certain amount of money um, while she continued her education and was raising their son. And he went bankrupt. His company went bankrupt and all the money was gone. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to have to go work at McDonald's or, which is not a bad place to work at, by the way, um, and, and all of these things. But instead, she shifted her energy as much as she could. And a lovely relative of hers offered her all the resources that she needed during that time period, happily, joyfully. Um, and so th- there's more magic than we can possibly imagine that's available to us. And when humans get caught up in all this, but this could happen and that could happen or this will happen or this will happen, it's a very limiting. And unfortunately, it doesn't allow us to expand. So that's my long lecture on it. Does that make Perfect. sense? Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. And keep me posted. I, I want to hear all the beauty that's just right there for you. I want to hear all about it. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Anne, for calling in. She's just absorbing it all. <laughs> I could just feel it in her. Just like big sponges today in Seattle. Need to absorb all of our rain and all the other good stuff out there. Right. I think we have time for one more. We'll take sure. Nina calling in from London. Lovely. Hi, so, Nina. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? I'm lovely. Thank you. How's London? Is it rainy like it is here in Seattle today? It's not actually. It's funny. <gasps> Really? Oh, my gosh. For a change. Oh, (laughs) nice. How wonderful for you. That was great. What can I do for you? My question is more around, um, I I think I just caught the last bit of the lady speaking Mm. before um, about um, blockages you encounter in terms of your self-development and also how that kind of affects your your daily life and the projects you're working on and and your encounters with just um, different areas of life. Mm-hmm. And, and and so that's your question, like how do you grow past the blockages? Is that what you're you thinking You hit of? this point where you just, you just, you're kind of in a knot, if you right. know what I mean. It's right. like, well, where do you go next? Yeah. Well, here's what I think. And of course, um, reading the book or when we have Dr. Plummer on again, we can ask her this question. I think this is the moment when you have to like surrender. You you have to let go of where to go next because you've already tried a lot of nexes and they're not working. So yeah. there, there's this place where you have to stop because all the doing that we do, all the busyness that we do actually doesn't help us in our evolutionary path if it's done out of worry and strain and uh, and and fear. It's It's really not helpful. So surrendering, getting out of the way, feeling like you have failed, even though that's the last thing that humans want to feel, I actually think it's a necessary step. It's not true. No one can fail. It's impossible. I mean, we're souls having an evolutionary experience. And if it takes each one of us 400,000 different lifetimes, so what? What else are we going to be doing? It's perfectly fine. It's not a race. You know, evolution is not a race. It's it's really about being present. So if, if you can, you know, Go ahead, because I can tell that you don't like to fail and, and you like to do everything well and perfect. And, and, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And we have moments when we all feel that way. If you can just let yourself be in that place of, I don't know what to do next. I don't have the answers. It, this feels terrible. And it's okay. Hmm. That's what I'm recommending. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much for calling in from London. Thank you. And, and, and know that while you're having those moments, all of us who are listening in radio world, um, we will send you bright energy. 
and and wish you comfort in that discomfort um, so that you can find your magnificence and that real polarization to your authentic self that will have the answers in places and ways that you never could imagine. So, you know, this whole thing about deep change is really quite um, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it truly is. When I was going through one that was... um, you know, quite profound. I I think we've all had many, 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 many of them. Um, I experienced tachycardia. So my heart felt like it was going to pound out of my chest, literally. And when I went to go see the cardiologist, I waited a long time, of course, because nurses don't really want to go see the doctor. Exactly, yeah. We know a little bit too much. And so, in fact, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who's a nurse, and we were talking about when we have weird symptoms... Of course, we sometimes think the worst, yeah. right? right. So, well, yeah, you've been reporting it, so to speak. You've been <laughs> yeah. telling a lot of people for right? so much time now. Right. So mm-hmm. we don't want to go to the doctor because if they tell not. us that we have like some inoperable tumor, we're not going to go do any yeah. of the stuff they recommend anyway. <laughs> right. So we're just going to like, you know, let it all happen to us and we're going to die at any rate. So I'm with this cardiologist and he is convinced that I have a prolapsed mitral valve. I mean, he's convinced. So I have every test under the sun. Um, thankfully, and thankfully, uh, my heart was just fine. But that's how severe it can be physically for humans when they're going through deep change, when they are presenting themselves, which really means that they've done a lot of inner work to get there anyway, right? right? They've done enough that the physical body can actually um, feel attacked um, by the emotions that we aren't allowing ourselves to connect to while our mind races for the answer that we can't find in that place anyway. It can be frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah, I, haven't, be. I haven't been down there yet. But, you <laughs> well, know. Penny, when or if it happens to you, you now know a tool. Right, you exactly. You've got this great book. Um, you can call me anytime. I'll just give it to you. Uh, <laughs> or I'll just listen to the encore of the show. Right, I'll save right. it on iTunes. There you go. <laughs> well, so we've been having a blast here talking on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. I will be in New York um, at the end of May I'm teaching a workshop with um, the Omega Institute. You can go to energyintuitive.com to find out more about that. It's a two and a half day workshop. Thrilled. Looking very much um, forward to that. And then at the end of June, I will be in Hollyhock, Cortez Island, teaching a four and a half day workshop there in the beautiful, beautiful Canadian islands. So again, um, go to energyintuitive.com to find out more. And we will talk to you next week at 9 a.m. on Thursdays. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.